This is Pastor Matt. I want to thank you so much for joining us as we go through our series on the Gospel of John. I invite you now to grab your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John, and settle in for today's message. Thank you, Chad. We love that song. My goodness. You know, Chad sings well every Sunday, but sometimes he just puts a little bit extra, and that's one of those songs that, man, that is awesome. If you didn't get chill bumps, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I'm happy to have you. Glad to have you with us this morning. Thank you for making us a part of your worship experience. I hope you are, are as excited as I am to be at church this morning. This is something to be excited about. I think sometimes people, we, we tend to fall into the mundane routine, right? Sunday morning you get up, you fight with the kids, you put on your clothes, maybe you bathed, maybe you didn't. Hope for the person sitting next to you that you did. You make your way to church and you're just here. Well, This morning I don't want you just to be here. I want you to be plugged in. I want you to arrive at church every single Sunday morning expecting to have an encounter, expecting to learn something new, expecting to be challenged in a different way. I've promised you as your pastor that I'm never going to sit up here and just pat you on the head and tell you that you're doing great and that everything's okay. I hope that you're challenged. I hope that you're ready to grow as we continue making our way through the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we are still, yes, in the first chapter of the book of John, and we're going to actually spend a couple more weeks this week and next week, and we will finally have finished the first chapter. Last week, we continued our look through the first portion of John. We had finished the introduction. We had gotten into John the Baptist. John was questioned by the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, asking him, is he the Messiah? Is he Elijah? Is he the prophet? The big point for us last week was for us to understand what we're called to be, to know our role, to understand that as John the Baptist was called to be a forerunner for Christ to prepare the way, we are called to do the exact same thing. We are called to know who Christ is. We are called to know what our role is. And we are called to be the forerunners for Christ in a dark and considerably growing darker world. All you have to do is turn on the news, get online, however you receive your information today, to realize that things are not getting better in our world. I'm going to tell you something that might be a bit of a downer. It's not going to. And that's not because I'm some prophet, right? No, I'm not or that I know something that you don't, it's because that's what the Bible tells us. Things are not going to get better. 
So that's why it's important for us to take the time like we're doing in the book of John to go through. And today marks a very big transition in the book of John. As we read the scriptures today, we are going to see the shift from John the Baptist to Jesus. We're going to see the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, and then we're off to the races to see exactly how the events of the life of Christ unfold, and I hope that you are excited about that. Remember that any time that John mentions the name John in his writings, he is not talking about himself. John does not use his name when referring to himself. He will use names like the one that Jesus loved, Jesus' beloved disciple. He would not use his name. So as we finish looking at John here, we're going to point out a few key applications for what we're going to take from our portion of Scripture this morning. It's going to be John chapter 1 starting in verse 29, and we're going to go 29 through 39. If you have your sermon notes in front of you, you'll have the scripture. It will be above my head. But I encourage you, please, to bring your Bibles on Sunday morning. It's important. Bring a Bible that you don't mind writing in. Bring a highlighter. If you need one, I'll be happy to get one for you so that as we go through this together, you can make notes, you can write in it so that you can remember what we're discussing. John chapter 1, starting in verse 21, it says, The next day, again, John the Baptist being questioned by the Sanhedrin is going to kick off a very important four consecutive days in the ministry of Jesus Christ. So what's happening right now is taking place the day after the questioning that John the Baptist endured. John, again the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You have to remember that John would be around a body of water. He would be teaching and preaching. He would be preparing the way for the Messiah. And John turns and sees Jesus heading down the road and he points him out. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God being very important imagery here because for Jewish people, what do they do with lambs? They take them to sacrifice them to the Lord to cover their sin. So by John placing that imagery on Jesus, he is already foreshadowing what Christ is coming to do. He is the Lamb of God. You were to give your your, your best, right, your, the pure lamb is the one that you are to sacrifice. And he goes, here, here is the lamb of God. Here is the great imperfect sacrifice. He's already alluding to the cross. Who takes away the sin of the world. This would be a bit of a change, just in one word, for those who were listening. Because the, wor- the word, the world here, means all of humanity. John is announcing to the world that Jesus was coming for more than just the Jewish people. That his grace and the offer of salvation that Jesus Christ was bringing would be for the entire world. This would be different from anything that the Jews had heard before because they are God's chosen people. They are who the covenants are made with. Well, John is announcing that Jesus is coming into the world. He is already being announced as a sacrifice. And now he is going to extend salvation, not just to God's chosen people and the Jewish people, 
but to the entire world, indiscriminately. Which means for the Jews who are listening to John's preaching and teaching, they're being told that, yes, even those dirty Gentiles are going to have a chance. This calls back to Isaiah 49, 5 through 7, where Isaiah prophesies, and now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says. The Redeemer, capital R, alluding to Christ, and Holy One of Israel, Holy One, capitalized, alluding to Christ, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who was faithful. The Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. We continue on through John and verse 30. This is the one I meant, John the Baptist saying this, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. That's a lot. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Did John know what he was saying? Kind of seems backwards. How can he surpass me if he comes after me, but he was before me? Calls back to the introduction of John's gospel where he says that in the beginning was the word, meaning that Jesus was always there. While he is In his human form, he is now appearing on the scene, and John is announcing him, and John was preparing the way for him. He is letting his followers know that this is the one who has always been. He's the one that we have been doing all of this work for. He's the one that I have been baptizing for. He's the one that the way is being paid for. And there's something very interesting. I myself did not know him but the reason i came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to israel well what's the relationship between john the baptist and jesus they're cousins so they grew up around each other right but john reveals something very important here what did john not know the entire time they were growing up That Jesus was going to be the Messiah. So how did John learn that? We continue on in verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So John knew what his job was, but Jesus' reveal did not occur when they were children. 
They didn't know that this is what was going to happen. But God told John, I'm going to reveal the Messiah to you in this way. That the Spirit of the Lord will descend upon him like a dove. And there it will remain. And he shall be the chosen one. The Son of God in other translations. When you look at that, Son of God being capitalized, it sets it apart because as followers of Jesus, what we, dis- what we discovered in the introduction is that we all have the right to be sons and daughters of God. But this is a step further. This is drawing upon the intimate relationship that exists between God and Jesus, the chosen one, the Son of God. Using the word the being very important, right? Chad understands that. It's not just Ohio State University. It is the Ohio State University, right? You put the in there because you are the one. So he is not a son of God. He is not a chosen one. He is the son of God. He is the chosen one. Again, this profound statement implying the deity of Christ being above all. Continuing on in verse 35, it says, The next day, so all this happens, right? John announces, this is Jesus, this is the one. So now we're on the third day, we're on the next day. John was there again, the same location, with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by again, and he announces him the same exact way. Look, the Lamb of God. Two times that John has encountered Jesus, he does not say, Jesus, over here, look at me. What does he say? Don't look at me. He says, look over there. Look, the Lamb of God. Everything that John does calls attention away from himself. John is there with his followers. With those who have been surrounded and have traveled with him. And upon Jesus appearing on the scene, John immediately turns the attention and says, Look, the Lamb of God. Verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, what did they do? They followed Jesus. They were taught well. John implored to them what his purpose was. And then he told them, whenever I point out Jesus, you go to him. You don't stay with me. You go to Jesus. So John's followers here are doing as they have been taught. And one of the two followers here would be Andrew, who is the brother of Peter, Simon Peter, who we'll talk about next week. So the two disciples, they heard him saying this, and they followed Jesus. They scurry off. They go right to him. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now, that can sound a bit harsh, right? Walking down the road, I'm like, what do you want? But that's not the implication in the way that Jesus is speaking here. Jesus really is asking, what are you looking for? Can I help you with something? 
Jesus wants to know what is their purpose for coming to him. Can I, can I help you with something? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? The important point to remember here is that they just simply wanted to be with Jesus. They didn't run up and talk about themselves or ask any questions about what they would get. Hey, we just want to come. We heard you were the one. So if we come with you, do we have to eat bugs still? You know, they didn't want to know any of that. The only question that they had is, where are you staying? Because the only thing that they wanted to do was be with Jesus. Very simple. 39, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So now the three application points for this morning is that first, we must recognize Jesus. Last week we talked about knowing him. John knew what he was told about him. But then John was given... The, the sign of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord would descend upon him like a dove. There it would remain, and he is the chosen one. So when John saw that, he didn't turn a blind eye to it. John wasn't thinking about his own ministry here. The moment that the sign from God occurred, he recognized it immediately. He had to believe. He had to kind of be like, really? Dude, we grew up together. You couldn't have told me before now, right? But upon that moment, when the Spirit of the Lord descended upon Jesus and the sign was fulfilled, John no longer saw Jesus as his cousin. He wasn't Jesus to him anymore. He was the chosen one, the Son of God. Do you recognize Jesus today? If you depend upon our culture and our world, the image of Christ is very different than what you find in the Scriptures. We have to understand that today we have the full Word of God. The full revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And because of that, it's even more on us to protect ourselves against these false messiahs that exist in our world today. Do you want to know the number one false messiah that exists in the world? It's not Satan. It's you. Because you want to be your own God more than anybody else does. The number one dangerous thing to ourselves is ourselves. Because of the human nature that exists, that exists within us. You see it everywhere. Terry said it best, and I use this all the time. I go, life is dependent upon who is behind the counter. Because if you give somebody this much power, oh buddy, especially at Walmart, right? That much power. They're going to take every ounce that they can. They're going to make your life just trouble. They're not going to help you out. 
And we can fall into that sometimes. People start relying on you. People start looking to you. You can feel it. Don't lie to yourself. You can feel it deep inside that you're like, oh, buddy, here we go. And you have to check yourself. I'll be fully honest with you. I have to do that all the time. I have to constantly pray that the Lord move me out of his way and allow all the praise, the honor, and the glory to go to him. Because I'm going to walk back to that back door today and I'm going to hear about half of you say, we should have gotten out earlier. And the other half are going to say, good job. Right? And Carrie, I get a good job if I got you out early. But how easy would it be to hear that over and over again? And to really start feeling yourself. Easy to do that. We're all susceptible to that. Are you protecting yourself? Do you recognize Jesus? Or do you get too lost in who you are? We also fall into these cults of personality where we see somebody and boy, we want to be a part of that. And I'm about to hurt some people's feelings. Man, I'm about to hurt somebody's feelings. But like Taylor Swift, that's a big one right now. I saw a lot of people get uncomfortable, right? That's a big one. I'm not saying that Taylor's done anything wrong, but she has a big audience. People listen to her. It's easy. Like you go to these concerts, it's easy to fall into it. And that goes to anybody else. She's just kind of the biggest one in the whole world right now, right? We have to be careful to not fall into worshiping other people. And we need to recognize who Jesus is. Second application for today is that just like John, we must become less. We must allow Jesus to fully take over our life, allow him to lead, guide, and direct all that we do, and constantly look for his will, not ours. I've told y'all my story so many times. I did what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get into ministry. Old man's game, right? No, not today, not me. My life got exponentially worse the longer that I stayed out of the will of God. Does that mean that my life is easier now? In some ways it is, but in other ways, no, because when you're in the will of God, Satan's going to come for you. And guess what? Even though this is the last that we're going to hear about John the Baptist in the book of John, he didn't just slink away and enjoy the wilderness for the rest of his life. John meets the same end that all but one disciple meets. John's going to get his head cut off. Because you know what, even after he announces who Jesus is, you know what he continues to do? Go and preach. And John was a fearless preacher. He walked into the king's court and told him about himself. And that's why he gets his head cut off. But he was fearless. He became less. His entire focus was propping up who Jesus is. We have to move ourselves aside for the will of God, and this is completely counter to our culture today, where it's a culture of self. God wants every part of you 
when you accept Jesus Christ, he expects every ounce of who you are to be his. Yes, he's greedy. He wants you. He's a jealous God. We talked about this in our Bible study on Wednesday nights. If you're not coming on Wednesday nights, I encourage you to do so because we discuss a lot of these topics at length. Finally this, and I know that my time is running short. Carrie, I see the time, I promise. We must seek Jesus. This calls to the end of the scriptures that we just read. Just as the disciples here, just as Andrew and the other unnamed follower of John the Baptist, we need to just seek him. Not go to Jesus with our laundry list of demands, because guess what? He's not, doesn't, he doesn't need that. And Jesus doesn't need to meet our demands to be our Savior. He's already met them, you just don't know it yet. Because he's paid the penalty of sin. And he's created a way by being the chosen one, by being the sacrificial lamb of God. Every day we should wake up seeking Jesus. All those disciples wanted was just to be with him. Because they knew if we're just with him, then we're going to learn from him. And we all know this, what you surround yourself with is what you become. A lot of times we put ourselves in tough situations because we think that we're going to have the positive impact on those people. How many times has that really happened? What actually happens most of the time when we put ourselves in bad situations around bad people, they don't begin to emulate us. We begin to emulate them. Gosh, that happened to me in college. I'll never forget it. It's like I woke up one day and I looked in the mirror and I did not recognize the person that I was looking at anymore. The way I was talking, the things I was doing, the things I was thinking about, what my desires were, were nothing to do with, with the Lord. And my mama raised me better than that. And man, it hurt. That was a low moment. So I had to turn my eyes back to simply seek Jesus. So are you seeking him this morning? Can you recognize him? Are you willing to become less? Are you willing to just seek after him? Are you spending time in the Word? Are you spending time in prayer? Have you created a routine, like we talked about on Wednesday night, where you're putting Him at the forefront of all that you do? Because as Jesus said here, as we see throughout the entirety of Scripture, if you seek Him, you will find Him. Because He desires for you to seek Him. So this morning, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to lay down your life and live according to his? So I'd like for you to repeat them back to me. First, we must recognize Jesus. We must become less and we must seek Jesus. If you're here this morning and the Lord's been calling to you, I pray that you answer that call.
If you've been visiting with us for a while and you've been praying about the possibility of joining our church, I pray that you'll do that this morning as well. But seek him. Learn who he is. And accept the challenge that living a life in the will of God presents for you. May we pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be in your house. And right now, I come, Lord, just praying if there's anyone here that you've been working on their heart, that they will answer that call. Lord, because that's the most important thing that anyone will ever do. Lord, I pray for those of us who are here who have accepted you, Lord, that we take on this challenge, that we are the forerunners for you, but, Lord, that we can recognize you, that we're willing to become less, and, Lord, that we live in accordance with your will so that we can accomplish the great things that you have planned for us in our life. But, Lord, as we head into this time of invitation, we pray for the courage and strength to respond in the way that you're leading us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.